Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, a show about what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real about boomer television, I guess. You know what's fucking weird? I felt that intro happening in my bones. Like I was, <laughs> I felt a real world thing moments before, like the way an animal feels a hurricane. <laughs> you, you knew that I was, you knew that I was coming up with it. You knew that it was inevitably happening. That was so fucking weird. I think it might just be like, it's coded into the DNA of our generation that you can just feel when someone's about to say, when people stop being nice. Like, oh, that was... <laughs> That was like, like upsetting, kind of. Like, like I looked into your soul with it. I you know? think I believe in astrology or something. I don't know what that <laughs> falls under, but I think I believe it now. Welcome Fuck. to Breaking Mayberry. I, I'm one of your hosts. I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other host. I'm Dan Ludwig. And uh, this is a show about old television, primarily the Andy Griffith Show. And if you've been listening closely. Lately, you listeners, I feel like we should apologize to you. If you've been listening real close lately, you may notice that Dan and I have been struggling on these intros, <laughs> these first couple of minutes of episode each time. And that's because nothing happens to us anymore. No. Like, but before, in the before times, you know, the, the introduction time was just like us literally being friends. Yeah. Saying like, hey, what happened to you? Hey, here's some weird things that I encountered this week. And nothing happens anymore. <laughs> no. I can I can tell you, you know, about my trips to the kitchen and back and that's about it. But Dan, I've got an intro. A thing actually happened to you? A thing happened. It, it happened because I did the bad thing and I left the house. Right, right. But but a thing did happen to me recent, weeks ago, and I've been holding on to it for this occasion. Okay, all right. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I traveled to Long Island, or I traveled to see my grandmother for Passover. Mm -hmm. uh, my grandmother and my sister both fully vaccinated, and they wanted to, to do a Seder together, which uh, was a bad idea for a number of reasons. You know, no... <laughs> I mean, number one, the the health thing, sure. Mm -hmm. But also, number two, now that my grandmother knows that I can drive the two and a half, three-ish hours for Passover during a pandemic, mm -hmm. I have no excuse not to do that every year. <laughs> and every – do you know how many holidays we Jews have, Dan? It's a lot. You guys so just, like, many. pack them in. It's, it's one for every time people have tried to kill us. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I went up to my, to my grandmother's, but I didn't stay with my grandma. I stayed in a, in a hotel nearby. Mm -hmm. I got a hotel room and I walked in thinking, this is going to be weird. Like I've never been in a hotel that's completely empty before. And that was kind of my experience as I was checking in. Basically the whole lobby was shut down and, and, and empty. But then I pull my car around the back and I walk in the back entrance and I guess I walked in what was supposed to be the ballroom because I walk in and just glitter <laughs> everywhere, all over my eyes and just shininess. And I hear an announcer in the back going, and next up from Franklin Delano Roosevelt Jr. High. What? There was a like dance competition going on, a children's dance competition. Oh, my God. And I was just surrounded by dance moms and 
twelve year olds just discovering makeup, and there are all these these children, these little dead eyed McCaitlins that are just running around, and so I have to dive through this this mess and get to my room immediately. But I'm I'm waiting. No, Dan, you're making a face. I. <laughs> My mind runs over with things. Are you sure this happened and you didn't just, like, basically have some sort of The Shining experience? Oh, we're not done yet. Okay. We're not done yet. So I'm, I get, I ding the elevator button real hard, <laughs> real fast. And then a, a crew of these children comes to me because they're waiting for the same elevator. Oh, God. There are no parents around. It's one of those things where, like, the oldest child is in charge and the oldest child is, like, 11. Mm-hmm. So I back far up against the wall and just let the, the girls have their space. And one of them, probably eight or nine, I don't know, turns around, stares directly at me through, you know, she's not wearing a mask, I'm wearing a mask. But she looks at me in the eye and says, are you Lindsay's dad? Oh, God. Let's let's set that aside for a second that I've aged to the point where pe- children are mistaking me for a parent. I've, I've, I've come to terms the, with that. The fact that it's Lindsay's dad, too. Yeah, right. Lindsay Lindsay's dad. Makes Lindsay's it, dad. that's just such salt and I, in the wound. I, I just, I go, nope, nope, not, not Lindsay's dad. And then it gets weird. Then it becomes a thing. Because she responds with, are you sure you're not Lindsay's dad? And at that point, I'm kind of like wondering. I don't. I don't think so. I'm. I'm, I'm looking around <laughs> the room for like any ex girlfriend who's about to surprise me. <laughs> this little girl says, "I think you're Lindsay's dad, and you don't want to tell me." And now it feels like a setup. You are one. That is a ghost. I think. <laughs> So I don't know how to respond or even if to respond because there is a limit to how long an adult man by himself can talk to a child he does not know before it becomes an issue. And that limit is like three seconds. So I don't know what to say other than I promise you I'm not Lindsay's dad. And fortunately, uh, a couple of things happen at once. The elevator shows up. The older girl says, that's not Lindsay's dad. Come on. They get in the elevator. I'm sure as hell waiting for the next one. I'm not getting in that elevator. And these girls, like, take their rolling suitcases into the elevator. And as the elevator doors are closing, this girl turns back on me. Again, looks me right in the eyes. Tell Lindsay I hate her and we're (laughs) never going to be friends again. (laughs) Ding! Elevator up! That's incredible. And now I have to wonder, Lindsay, what did you do? You What did Lindsay do to to inspire such ire? <laughs> that... You should have looked that child dead in the eye and just said, "No, I'm not," and tell her mom I wasn't even in town that weekend. <laughs> like, fuck. What the fuck did Lindsay do that that this little girl was so angry she went for the dad and she knew that the dad would be so ashamed of his daughter that he may lie. You will deny me thrice before the elevator bell dings. Lindsay is just such a massive piece of shit. Lindsay like stole her mom's car and and she just expected the dad to just be like, 
Nope, nope. Uh, <laughs> if I admit that that I'm Lindsay's dad, you might serve me a court summons for something she did. You might be a yeah. tiny process server. <laughs> That's exactly the attitude that it went with. I swear to God, if I feel like if you had admitted that you were Lindsay's dad, like that little girl's eyes would have just glowed red and she would have dragged you to hell. Like it would have been like, Marty, there's no dance competition there. There was one 30 years ago and then a man named Lindsay's dad killed everyone. I, li- I like the idea that his dad, his name was Lindsay's dad. <laughs> no one knows what Lindsay's dad named, but we do know all the terrible, terrible things he did. So yeah, a whole lot of things are going on in my brain at once right now. Like number one, I'm just I'm feeling a million years old, and number two, I want to go find the real Lindsay's dad and warn him. Dude, you know what happened was that little girl went up to Lindsay and she was like. I told your dad that you suck, and he pretended to not even be your dad. He didn't even want to admit that he was your dad, Lindsay. Oh my god, that is what happened! That was 100% what happened. <laughs> That's a hundred... Oh, shit! Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think of yeah. that! Yeah, no, she was like, your dad pretended to not know you. It was pretty sad. Everybody! Oh my god. Yeah, so... <laughs> You are going to be part of a childhood trauma that Lindsay is going to be untangling for the rest of her life. So was it like a, it was a dance competition. Was it like a Little Miss Sunshine type thing? I don't think so. Like, I think, feel like these girls were like actual dancers, like part of a dance team. Okay. And like, they they weren't ballerinas, but they were like, clearly had been from dance class. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, like a girl, like a little girl's pageant. So you didn't just basically wander through a bunch of simultaneous childhood traumas. Like, yeah, no, no, you weren't going to be like in the background of a hypnosis that someone was doing to like untangle shit. You know, my my first thought, because I, I walked in right next to the merch booth, basically, and I saw all the hoodies and things, and my first thought was, ah, crap, this is a youth group conference. <laughs> I'm just like, picturing I, your face on a little girl now, just beard and all, just like, hey, Lindsay, and then, like, like Marty in a dress turns around, like, what? <laughs> I told you to leave me alone. <laughs> Uh, oh holy shit i was also wearing a mask she didn't what the you don't know what my face looks like i swear to god if i had if that had been me i would have 100 percent been certain that i died like yeah. for the entire like first five minutes i like i would have been like i went into cardiac arrest trying to open this door this is some sort of weird entrance to heaven the devil is going to show up in a second in like a tuxedo I don't know. These are all going to turn out to be demons. There's no way this is fucking real. People don't do the de- gatherings. The the devil is the hotel security that comes to talk to me for my extended conversation with this small child. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, that's-, so that's it. That's an intro. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. 85 episodes and we still can do this, I guess. <laughs> the only the only interaction I I the only thing that fucking happened to me that is vaguely intro is that I tried to hug my first person in a year and was so rusty that I just kind of jumped and slammed my shoulder into his face. <laughs> Did you do like the full body equivalent of like when one person reaches for a, a fist bump and the other person reaches for a handshake? <laughs> now I'm just kind of doing run the jewels. It was the the person was taller than me. 
So when when we went for a hug, I was like, I don't know what to do with it. This is like advanced hug mechanics. This is like <laughs> the college of hugs. I'm back down to elementary school. So I was like, do I have to jump? I think you have to jump when the person is taller than you. And so it was just kind of like an awkward, like Shamu style body slam that I did with like arms open. It was very upsetting to just everyone within a five mile radius. Have you never made out with someone taller than you? I You're think, not a very tall man. No, I'm not. I think <laughs> I don't think not 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 enough to require jumping. <laughs> uh but yeah, fucking look at us re-entering society as awkwardly as possible. All right, that's as good a spot as any to talk about today's episodes. There are two episodes today, and I think our typically we like to do the more interesting episode first. Uh, are so, we doing the good one first? Yeah, we're going to do the good one first. We got two episodes that are very frustrating in very different ways. They're so far apart. Yeah. It's just, they're opposite, complete opposites. All right, so we're going to start with... Season 4, Episode 7, A Black Day for Mayberry. What? Why is it titled that? <laughs> I don't know. It's not a particularly dark day. No. Like nothing particularly dark. It's it's not like it's not like this is the day when Andy has to like sh- like take down terrorists in Main Square. <laughs> like it's not like It's not the day that Doomsday comes to town and kills Andy. Like Yeah. <laughs> like But it's a black day for Mayberry. Bummer. It airs in November 11th, 1963. We are two weeks away from a black day for the country. Is, are we coming up on it? <laughs> we are two weeks away from the from the assassination of JFK. What, what uh, episode is that, uh, that going to be on? Is it, it's going to be like... Break, but there... <laughs> Oh, there's one coming up that they actually had to preempt and move it to December for the the funeral coverage. Anyway. It's going to be like they try to teach a dog how to skateboard or something. (laughs) It's called that. It's written by John Whedon. It's a John Whedon episode directed by Jeffrey Hayden. And here is your one sentence summary from Wikipedia. A gold shipment is coming through Mayberry and Barney accidentally leaks the news causing a crowd to turn out to to welcome the armored car. Little little bits of trivia that I guess are notable here is once again Ron Howard's dad shows up at the very beginning. Rance Howard appears as Amazon uh, like made such a big deal of it. Like there's an armored truck, there's some gold. Also Rance Howard's in this. And Rance Howard just kind of stands around and is like, "Hello. I'm a G-man. I'm going to be completely silent and still." And like Amazon was like, "Holy shit, buckle yeah. up!" I I didn't I didn't read it, but that's also mentioned here in the in the one sentence summary from Wikipedia. So yeah, so this opens up with is this is this the Juanita? Yeah, it opens up with Barney on the phone with Juanita singing the Juanita song. Is that a real song? Is there a real song about that goes no. like that? <laughs> no. It's it's not. If this was a real song that was on the radio, then I would imagine that they were just really out of music. Like <laughs> I would imagine we, that there would be a tune or lyrics. We, it sounds 
We kind it's, of invested all of our music money in Elvis, and everyone's kind of sick of that now. So, Wani. It literally sounds like the, the song Scott Pilgrim writes for Ramona. If I was listening to old timey radio and this came on, I'd be like, no, 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 no. Put What's New Pussycat back on. I. <laughs> I know what so, I said, but just let's do it again. So he's he's doing the stupid hair thing, looking at himself in the mirror. Two dudes come in. They say, we're looking for the sheriff. Barney says, well, you can, whatever you want to say to the sheriff, you can tell me. And they're like, we'll wait. Yeah. And at this point, I actually had to pause and check that I was watching the correct episode. Because this all feels so much like shit we've seen before. Yeah. It's um, like, oh, the fact that they don't want to talk to Barney emasculates Barney, and he gets very snippy and, like, tries to pretend like he's the sheriff. Yay, blah, blah, blah. Do, yeah, do. You, yeah, we're, we're going to skip through this. Opie also comes in and also hurts Barney's feelings by saying, this one makes no sense. Opie also comes in and is just like, hey, is my dad here? No, I guess I'll wait for my dad and not hang out with you, person who is not my father. Yeah. He's like, uh, I want my dad. And he's like, well, you can tell me. It's like, no, you're not my father <laughs> so finally andy enters his own show yeah uh, decides decides to show up to work and they the two men in suits the two g-men are like could we have a moment alone with you sheriff and so yeah yeah yeah, Don yeah they kick barney throws a fit and they kick opie and yeah everybody out there's like uh, a, Bar- a kind of a nice little bit where o- where he's opie's like i want a dime and and he's like can we talk about this later he's like i'll just leave if you give me a dime and he's like yeah sure i'll ask you what it's for later it's like a nice yeah, cutesy like, little bit i like that that was funny then barney is trying to eavesdrop he sticks his like ear through the mail slot basically <laughs> and then we get another appearance by the sticky boy yeah, our favorite <laughs> tiny cowboy wearing <laughs> jelly sandwich covered fool <laughs> clint howard what's his character's name leroy leon leroy leon leon Leon. yeah which literally every time he comes on screen it is fun to just go like what happened (laughs) what happened to you listeners who don't know what we're talking about ron howard's younger brother clint has a recurring gag a recurring role on this where he just wanders in with a cowboy outfit and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that is just (laughs) All over his face. Just, 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 they just smear jelly on Clint Howard and then just push him into the frame. And they just go like, oh, hey, Leon. And then he just wanders out. It is quite possibly the best recurring bit on the show. The first time I was like, oh, my God, what's up with this fucking sticky child? And now I'm like, oh, shit. I love this chaos baby. <laughs> I just want them to do, like, one thing where they're just, like, doing a walk and talk past a building, and Leon's just stuck to it. <laughs> I feel like, like, they're just constantly, like, someone's like, oh, I think there's, like, a problem with your carburetor. It's running weird. Let me, let me pop the hood and see what's in there. Leon! Leon! <laughs> just, like, stuck in there offering them a sandwich. If this was just a show where a sticky child got into a weird situation, it'd be so much better. Watch that. I would 100% watch an old-timey show where a sticky boy... <laughs> just I don't even... I don't even remember what he does. He comes in, he looks in the what mail do you slot... you don't wonder what he does? He does the thing! He comes in, he offers someone a sandwich, and then he politely leaves. That's he all, his he... one move! <laughs> He also, he also like. Do you puts want you face... trying to remember if he does a little song, Marty? Do you remember if he has any good bits? 
He also puts his face like up to the mail slot, like next, because he's trying to see what Barney's looking at. So he also looks in there. And then Barney looks over to him, and you can just kind of hear just click as, yeah. as he peels his face away from just the the gravitational pull of Smucker's jelly that is Leon. It's so good. And then they just and then Clint Howard wanders off frame and then just promptly gets stuck to a key grip. <laughs> so anyway, the the G-men open the door, they find Barney like with his ear against the door basically and then they leave and then andy immediately tells barney what was going on i get like that's how we the only way we can have a plot but he just i i don't even understand what the point of was keeping the secret because andy just tells him immediately yeah which he, like barney doesn't pry it out of him and he's just like okay so here we go so in based off of like <laughs> The way Barney behaves, they were like, we got this big secret. Oh, wow. Your deputy is trying to force his head through a mail slot to listen to us. Abort, abort. We will go literally anywhere else. Uh, <laughs> but they just kind of like, all right, I guess this is fine. You have a dipshit. I guess this is pretty normal back then. No one pays any attention. Like, everyone's aware of the incompetence and no one cares. <laughs> yeah. It's, you, I feel like... Based off of this, just any time one of the feds goes out somewhere, they just expect shit like this. They're like, his Same head's shit, not... shit, different day. He doesn't have a bag stuck on his head, so this is pretty good for rural, the rural south right now. He, there's not a pickle jar stuck on one of his hands. I don't give a shit. <laughs> so, the big story, the plot of the episode, is that there is a shipment of gold coming through town. An armored truck with a bunch of gold bars worth $7 million dollars. Is coming through town. And what's that with inflation? Don't make me do this. Yeah, no, fuck it. Who gives a shit? It's like $5 billion or something. It's a a shitload of money. All right, fuck it. I'm going to do in today's dollars. This is always the least interesting part of every episode. Oh, God. Yeah, I forgot that you're trying to put this on YouTube. So, like, we can't edit out the boring bullshit that we do. Well, we'll find out. All right. So, what year is it? It's 1963. 63 and this is seven i'm just gonna do seven dollars and we'll just increase that we'll just add all of those so that is 26 million dollars almost 27 million dollars all right yeah an insane amount of money to be transporting through a small town but sure yeah, all right. So they're transporting 27 million dollars worth of stuff and everyone's like oh Barney starts freaking out like this is a big deal so it's a, supposed to be just a real simple thing. They're going to come. Uh, they're going to stop at the filling station. They're going to get gas. The drivers are going to eat food. And it's Andy and Barney's job to guard the shipment while the the drivers are getting food. And then they'll leave. This is actually like a good change of pace because like Barney starts going like, this is a really big deal. And you think Andy's going to be like, now calm down. This is all standard procedure. But he's like, it's, yeah, it's a big deal. I'm freaking out. Holy shit. Like, yeah, and Barney's this like, is this what- is the most important thing as a career. He's like, it super is. Here's how you know it's a big deal. Andy gets a gun. <laughs> yeah. Andy's like, 
We have to do stuff. We have to walk around town and look at things and make sure that they're not full of thieves. And Barney, like, normally when something like this happens, he's like, we'll roll around town. I'll check in and, you know, we'll we'll be cool. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm hyperventilating. Oh, yeah, God. It, ha- it, it has to be a really big deal because Andy shows any interest whatsoever in doing his job. <laughs> Andy Zoloff briefly wears off. <laughs> Instead of the like World War II induced fugue state that he always walks around in, he becomes lucid and in the moment for yeah. for a little bit. <laughs> so anyway, Aunt Barney says, "All right, well, that's this is very important. All right, the first thing I got to do is stop cheating on my girlfriend for one fucking night." <laughs> I hate the Juanita scenes so much. Anytime he picks up the phone, I just go, "Oh." I just like, just kind of like buckle up emotionally. They are so unpleasant. He calls up Juanita down at the diner and it's just like, you know, Barney stuff. He just says immediately like, hey, I can't go on that date with you tomorrow. Something big is going on. I can't tell you. I can't tell you. You're never going to guess it. Do you want to guess it? You could guess it. Nope. It's not that. (laughs) Guess again. I'll give you a hint. It's gold. Give you another hint. It's on a truck. Give you another yeah. hint. It's a gold truck. I wrote in my in the notes like Barney accidentally tells her, and then immediately after, like, oh wait, no, no, not accidentally. Your, your exact words. I've got your notes in front of me. Accidentally lets it slip, and then the next bullet point is. I mean, not really. He just tells her. Yeah, he just like does like warmer, warmer, warmer. You're taking too long. There's a shipment of seven million dollars in gold coming through town tomorrow. It's going to be stopping at these locations. Be impressed by that. Oh no! What did I do? The next scene I actually forgot happened until I saw your notes right here. But it's Barney walking around in his plain clothes, which is him in uh, a trench coat, which kind of on. on Don Knotts, it kind of looks like the uh, the Talking Heads David Byrne big suit. <laughs> it looks. He's just like the days go by, let the water will be down. That came out more modest mouse than anything. He's dressed like if Mary Poppins was also the Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Um, it is actually. Don, I will say Don Knotts. All of this entire episode. On point. Don Knotts is very funny in this he's episode. He's crushing it. This scene and is it, just basically them like, Don Knotts, vamp, vamp. And he's like, I'm in it today. I just yeah. finished filming Incredible Mr. Limpet or something. I'm full of energy. So so it, this scene is Barney like scoping around the premises to see if there are any suspicious characters who might get involved in the gold shipment or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he, he, goes, he goes to the hotel to basically harass old man asa <laughs> he goes uh, to an empty hotel and just yells at an old man it's so good yeah. he he goes to an empty hotel stands in the lobby the guy asks him like dude what are you doing here he flashes a badge at him the old man is like why'd you just flash a badge at me i know who you are and he's like i'm scoping the place out takes his newspaper and then the guy just goes there's literally no one here. And then the kicker is Asa just goes, this about the gold? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, all right, this, you're being weird, man. Hey, what time is that gold coming through? <laughs> I'm really excited to see that $7 million in gold. I just want to look <laughs> at it and wave. And then, and then like the next scene, it's almost just like, 
it, it's it's like that scene in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington where Jimmy Stewart just like runs through punching newspapers or punching <laughs> yeah. reporters. Uh, except it's just kids and children just running up to, to Barney and just yelling, hey, when's that gold coming through? Hey, man, what's up with that gold? Hey, gold. Hey, Barney. Everyone knows about this gold. <laughs> it's like this. It's like the Beatles. There, there's just a flock of children <laughs> after him as he's just running. It's that so was a much better example. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Like. I, but right, so Asa says that if he he wants to go out and he wants to see the truck with the gold in it, just to see seven million dollars and maybe wave at it. The last part makes it extremely sad. <laughs> but up until that point, I was like, "You this idiot wants to see seven million dollars in gold," and I'm like, "Would I like to see seven million dollars in gold?" I would like to see a brick of gold, I right? Think- like. I've never seen a brick of gold in my life. If someone outside was, of television, yeah. If someone was like, "Hey, I'm gonna just drive through town with seven million dollars," would I go see it? I don't know. I I can't tell if it would just make me feel really bad about myself. I want to know what it looks like in volume. Yeah, basically, like every time you see somebody like in the movies hand over some money in a briefcase it like takes up the entire briefcase these stacks of cash yeah but mathematically i want to know what the surface area actually would be of a million dollars and i'm sure that we could probably calculate this on a more interesting or maybe less interesting show well but, thought out i don't know yeah if if we had done any planning whatsoever but and also the fact that it's gold is interesting i guess i i don't know i couldn't tell if that was like an extremely sad definitely saying i want to wave at the money just filled (laughs) me with deep in my heart sadness because i'm like oh i do actually know people that would like to wave at the money and be like hi money i love you one day i'm going to maybe meet you no i won't but this is the highlight of my month like that that hurt me <laughs> hearing a man say I would like to wave at the big money. I, I here here's what I think it comes down to to answer that question for me is Mar- Marty, would you like to go see seven million dollars worth of gold? And the answer is, I mean, if I'm going to town anyway, yeah. If like, if, if someone was like, hey, you want to see some money? I'd be like, do I have to? Do I have to get in a car? <laughs> but like, I. I, I do, do we have any groceries that I got to pick up? Like, is there... If it's on the way, I'll I'll stop and see $7 million. It's like the Liberty Bell. Yeah. <laughs> Which, why does anyone go to that, you fucking idiots? There's so much better things to do when you visit this place. It's just a shitty, broken bell. We've had we've had historians on, on this show yell at us about that. And you know what? I, my opinion has not changed. Yeah, no. I <laughs> smiled and nodded during that opinion, but I, I, I didn't actually move. So, okay. So the entire town now knows that there is a, sh- a ch- <laughs> truck of gold coming through town. And I'm going to, just to get ahead of it, no one tries to steal the gold. Which, yeah, let's be very clear here. Nothing interesting happens with the gold. Which, my reaction to that was more like, Really? No one's going to try any shit? Nobody? Like, I feel like if I were lived in that town, I'd be like, we're out in the middle of nowhere. We're not supposed to know that this gold is here. Literally everyone has guns. This is my shot. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm going to die in this town? I'm 65? 
I, it's the 60s, so I don't know what that translates to in terms of life expectancy, but it's probably not that good. Not great. I've ha- I have a bunch of guns because it's the South. I never got that tetanus shot in season <laughs> two, so, like... And there's barbed wire everywhere. Yeah, so my odds aren't great. I could probably, I feel like, I'm feeling lucky. Like, no one felt froggy that day. Like, no one, no one felt like, like, taking a jump. That's bullshit. You know, you know, you know why? Because Floyd's, Floyd's not there. Oh, Floyd would have gone for it. Floyd would have gone for it. Floyd, Floyd would have grabbed the, the, the bag and run as far as he could go. Try to until he could see daylight and then just go down in a hail of bullets. This was honestly Floyd's been preparing for this because he could have tried to just jump in that truck and drive. And if he got caught, he'd be like, Andy, I'm sorry. I thought it was a horse. I don't know. I have a Ford. I, you know that I only have a 30% understanding of what's going on at any given are you moment. Telling, are you telling me that's not filled with delicious ice cream? Oh, I thought this Whoa. was the ice cream truck that I was selling. Where am I? Oh, would you like a haircut? And they'd be like, it's just Floyd. And he'd be like, all right. Nailed it. Paid off. I've been nur- I've been I've been nursing this for so long. Anyway, all right. So it's the next day. Andy pulls up into the jail, and he's being like Barney is being very evasive about things. And he's like, "Yeah, this is a real big, big, important moment for us." And Barney's like, "We're gonna fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna blow it." Like it, it's it's so bad that Barney actually admitted. That he had failed something. That's how bad he's fucked up. It's, yeah. Like, but I do like his his efforts to be like, listen, I want to lower your expectations for how good this is going to go preemptively. I want to try to, let's just think, let's sit here and think about all the ways that this could go bad. And how that wouldn't really be that bad if everything <laughs> went to shit. Like, wouldn't it be fine? Why don't you reassure me? That everything's, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. yeah, It's 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 so, like the equivalent of like, well, before I tell you what you did, you have to promise not to get mad. So, you know, obviously Andy does get very mad. Uh, oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Because he Barney doesn't tell him. They go to the gas station and Gomer says that he knows. And Barney's answer is, well, I had to tell Gomer. He's a deputy. And I guess I guess we're just gonna have to make our peace with this. Gomer's a deputy part time. Yeah, just officially, they just Appa- did they've, it. They've, they've 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 sworn him in. They've given him a badge and a gun and everything. So I guess we I, just gotta accept that now. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess this is just a part of the show. They were just like, we gotta stop coming up with excuses for them to deputize Gomer. And let's just say that Gomer's a fucking honorary deputy. Because I guess I guess it is, and that's gonna be his his. Rot lot in life until we ship him off to Vietnam for seven seasons. <laughs> Send Gomer off to die in the fields. And... Imagine just Gomer in a rice paddy just going like, oh gosh, I can't hear the shots. But yeah, Gomer says that he knows about the shipment. Barney tries to cover his tracks and Gomer goes, I didn't learn it from you. I learned it from Laura Lee Hobbs at the diner and he learned it from blah, 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 blah. And he gets really mad. They go to Main Street. And he to- gets Fuck, not really mad. He does because he gets mad like in the next episode we're gonna do, and he gets rip shit pissed. It's <laughs> actually great. It's always so fun. These he does he gets pissed so rarely that when he does, I'm like, oh, this is delightful. It's Emotions. like you need to see a like an an eclipse, a, a, an appropriate reaction. Hell yeah. yeah, he's full of them this episode. <laughs> and they go to Main Street, and the whole town is there. 
And we have to we have to call attention to a protester there named Regis. Regis, played by our favorite kind of character actor slash definite murder victim, Doodles Weaver. That was Doodles? That was Doodles. Oh my god, he looks like shit in this. Yeah, I mean, he's supposed to look like shit. But I yeah. feel like that wasn't, I don't think that was for the show, man. I think that's just, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Doodles was doing okay. And he he walks. He's he's doing some real like libertarian sovereign citizen shit. Like he's, he's got a giant sign, and the giant sign confuses two financial issues. Yeah. Right? It's 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 about ending the gold standard, which is something that yeah JFK really would have cared about or had been concerned about at the time. You know, for the next two weeks anyway. And then the second one is like. Vote for the flat tax or something like that? Single like, tax. Single tax, which I think is another word for the flat tax. But yeah, he's basically on some real libertarian economic stuff. And I did some research into this. And basically, he that sign at the time would have been a little bit of an inside baseball thing. Because some of those, he was echoing some of the, the opinions of some financial analysts who had fallen pretty far out of out of fashion. Like... They would, if you heard them, they would immediately label that person as, like, a crank. Yeah. Like, some some real, like, taxation is theft kind of shit. Like. Just, I, I love that they just basically call him out as, like, the 60s equivalent of libertarian because they were like, oh, that's Steve. He lives up in the mountains and he comes down occasionally to piss us off. Like, basically just says, like, you don't care about anything you're happening here. You're just literally trying to make everyone mad and then you're going to go up into your weird cabin in the woods and, like, Yeah, that's true. On the other hand, I like Some the idea that... Some things change. Some things stay the same. Libertarians <laughs> are still like that. <laughs> I really like the idea that, that Regis heard about this and was like, finally, a healthy outlet to let my opinions about gold be known. <laughs> And while we're on and while we're on the subject of gold, here are my opinions about money in general. I should have more of it. This is all going on the sign. I'm writing all of this on my giant sign. Do you think if if he ever turns around, you'll just see the back which just is like, and the age of consent should be fourteen. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Like how this like reminded me how bummed were you when you found out the wizard of oz was just about the fucking gold standard it's about the gold standard it was the i was like exactly what i was thinking about i was in history class and i was just like you just ruined wizard of oz for me that makes uh, like you you explained what historical figure every character is you just killed the the cowardly lion for me it's a factoid that is only remembered by the least interesting of people I, it pops in my head every now like really whenever i hear gold standard it just drains a little bit more magic out of wizard of out Oz. of wizard of Oz, yeah so yeah so but doodles weaver I don't, does doodles weaver even have a line no yeah he he does have a line he he's he calls them all like worshipers of mammon yeah Yes, yeah, the best line. It's like, like heathens, worshippers of mammon, and they're like, "Get the fuck out of here!" And he's like, "All right, I'm gonna, but someone's got to hold my sign." Exactly. Yeah, he for for being like a street preacher, basically, he sure does just leave with the slightest bit of pressure, <laughs> like they're- all libertarians. <laughs> They, they, they hold up to absolutely no belligerence whatsoever. If you just loudly ask them to leave, they will. 
we've got a year's worth of evidence that proves otherwise, man. <laughs> it's true. They have been emboldened. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 if, if, if we had recorded this episode in 2015, maybe I'd agree with you, but <laughs> yeah, oh, maybe one day the libertarians will be afraid of us again. Fucking, but, but worshippers yeah, of mammon is the best line in all of Andy Griffith's show. Hands, worshippers of mammon. Worshippers of mammon. Was he? Wait, is he a fucking libertarian? Is he a communist? He might be a communist. Like, what is he? It really seems like he's just mad at the idea of money in general. <laughs> but I think I think that was like I don't think he's supposed to have a coherent ideology. I, I like, think much like libertarian. Com- he's. <laughs> I think his stance can be boiled down to money is too complicated and it makes me mad. Money should be less confusing. I don't understand how money works and I hate it. So, I can get behind that. Yeah. <laughs> I also feel that way, doodles. Everything should only be $1 bills. You should just have as many of those and that's your money. So yeah, he calls them all worshippers of mammon. Best line. And then and then they say Fuck off, dude. And he goes, guess I'll fuck off. And he hands his sign to to Gomer, who now has to hold it for the rest of the scene. He fucks off like he's Swiper from Dora the Explorer. He's like, oh, man. And then just goes. So Gomer is just holding a sign with vague libertarian ramblings on it for the rest of the scene. So the gold truck comes through and the townspeople swarm it. Like, like it's fucking like Night of the Living Dead. They just like like surround it like they're about to flip it over in the Rodney King riots. <laughs> yeah, they they just swarm it. They're like, "Yay, a truck!" And here's the <laughs> at that point you realize that how sad this actually is because you're not gonna see the gold. No, like. There's no chance of you seeing the gold. They're not going to open it up and, like, pass it around and just be like, hey, everybody, take some. Like, all right, make sure it comes back. No, you're just looking at a truck. <laughs> yeah. You've all seen a truck before. They're not going to be like, come on out. Who wants to smell the gold? It's, it, but it's like fucking, <laughs> it's, it's like there's, you, I half expected there to be a scene where just a kid is, like, licking the side of the truck. Like, it's, it's so, it's really, like, deeply pathetic. Everyone's just really cheering for the truck. Hooray! That truck has money in it! Woo! Hooray for the concept of money! <laughs> Can I have sex with the truck? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't have sex with the truck, but it's got all that money! Oh. Can I have a piece of the truck? <laughs> just someone, like, tries to rip off the, the mirror and just be like, the this had money in it! This touched the money! <laughs> just, like, asking one of the agents, like, what's your name? His name's Frank! I know the name of a guy that touched the money! <laughs> it's so fucking sad! It's just a deeply, deeply sad, sad event, which is made all the sadder by what we're about to learn. <laughs> yeah, this poor fucking town. Uh, uh, so, so Andy yells at them all to disperse, and then Andy fucks up here because he basically tells everybody the exact location and plan of the the money. Yeah. He's like, okay, everybody leave, but here you go. I'm gonna give you all the exact destination of this this money. 
the the treasury department guy shows up and i'm pretty sure it's another one of those dudes that has always been a bad guy or gangster another one of these dudes that we've seen on the show the best part is the treasury guy gets out and you expect him to be like now what's all this sheriff like what are you doing and he just gets out and he just looks at me just goes all right like it's just just the it's it's worse because it's just resounding disappointment like (laughs) It's it's like the sound of your dad when it's like, <laughs> I've just given up on you. I'm not and, even uh, going to bother yelling at you. And I just looked it up. Yeah, it was Ken Lynch, who we've seen before in Manhunt and, oh, and in the Jailbreak. Yeah, the penguin-looking motherfucker. Yeah, it's that guy. And it really, just between Doodles and Ken Lynch and even Rance Howard, we're just, like, bringing out all the one-line superstars. Bring the them all hitters. out. Yeah. So they pull up. To the filling station. They gave Gomer a gun again. He just yeah. has one. There wasn't even a conversation like, oh, I guess we got to give Gomer a gun. They're like, all right, this is normal now. And just hand him a double barrel. So there's one thing they have to do. The only thing they have to do is one guy's going to get out of the back of the truck and Barney's going to take his place and Barney's going to get in the back of the truck. They cannot handle that. It's the best physical comedy of the fucking show so far in my book. Like, because it's just, Barney has to hold a Tommy gun and also get into a truck while a guy gets out of the truck. So just dropping Tommy gun, they try to, like, push him into it. He falls over again. The bewildered look in his eye as it's happening is fantastic. By the time we he goes in, he's holding the Tommy gun like a baby. It's fantastic. This all happens in about four seconds, too. It's like, so it's, good. It's good. It's good. It's genuinely funny. And... The other thing that happens, and I'm I'm sad this didn't come through or didn't come up later, is Gomer has the 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 gas nozzle, and he's trying to to fill it up. But then he says, "Huh, where is the where's the gas tank on these trucks?" And he sees an open flap, which I guess is it's 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 the gun hole. It's yeah, where people they they put the gun out. So he just sticks the nozzle in, and then just starts. Filling the back of this truck <laughs> with gasoline, with Barney inside. I was like, they're going to blow up the gold truck. This is going to be an all-time episode. I know. I know. Like, I this... know. We're like, okay, you've just filled a, a gas tank with or a truck with gasoline. It has to explode, right? Right? Th- th- it's going to The truck does a... not explode. <laughs> yeah. No. I was like, this is going to break the Andy meter permanently. We're going to have to just fucking retire it because they're about to blow up a fucking truck. Like, game changer. Game's been changed. No. No, in fact, after after this, they don't mention the gas anymore. They don't also don't mention the fact that fucking Barney's just sitting there in that truck marinating in gasoline, gasoline. fumes. <laughs> like, I'm surprised. He's so flammable right now. I'm surprised that there wasn't a scene where the cop is getting into the back of the truck. He's like, why does it smell like gasoline and piss in here? Like, <laughs> just, just a line would have been fantastic. It never gets mentioned again. So Barney is in the back of the truck. Andy is just like milling about. And as he's in the back of the truck, Barney is like, I'm going to see this gold. So he like opens up a box, discovers that all the gold boxes are full of sand, starts to wig out. Understandably, because he's like, he he comes to the assumption that uh, the whole thing is a fake like what usually happens on the Andy Griffith show, the cops are actually criminals in disguise or some yeah. shit. There's yeah. been a scheme, they've been hoodwinked, and they're gonna save the day. So the cops come out, and Barney tries to, like, jump out of the van screaming, 
the gold's gone. We've been st- we've been robbed. And they they just like fucking shove him back in, close the door and say, we'll let him off at the next town. And then just like frantically drive away. Again, fucking good scene. Great. And, th- and then we get a car chase. Like, a, s- a solid a- car and- chase? I don't know if it's a solid car chase because like I don't think they'd realize I don't think they'd realized yet that a car chase has to be more than just cars driving after each other. They yeah. pretty much just drive in a straight line and one drives <laughs> faster than the other. They they drive cars down a road, but they play car chase music behind it. So it kind yeah. of works at tricking my brain into thinking that there was a car chase happening. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, they, the car drives off, Andy comes out, Gomer's like, they took Barney! And they just hop into a cop car and go. Andy, like, heads them off and blocks the road and gets out with a gun drawn and is just like, you got my deputy, yeah. you got some splaining to do. Yeah, like, and yeah, straight up, it was very weird seeing Andy with a, like, pull a gun on someone. And then they let Barney out. And Barney and Gomer just have their rifles pointed directly at each other's faces. <laughs> They're just standing, having a conversation with just looking down each other's barrels. Just absurdly. And I think I think only Don Knotts realized what was happening because he does take Gomer's gun and kind of puts it down. But it was very clearly accidental. Proving that not only can these characters not be trusted with, with guns, these actors should not be given guns. Actually, so, that's, that's actually more true. Like, I'm going to say this. The Treasury agents rule because there is a bunch of wild-eyed bumpkins waving Tommy guns and shotguns and pistols in their face. And they just, like, let them out and then just walk away. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, they just leave. They they don't care about any of this. At a brisk but reasonable pace, walk into the car, start the car, back up a little bit, and drive around the cop car. It's so ice cold. It rules. Like, they don't, like, edge away while looking. And it's just like, well, I'm done with this. And then leave. And then Andy explains to Barney that, no, those two were not crooked. They were still from the Treasury Department. They That truck was a decoy truck. The other truck with the gold is going by a different route. We were always meant to be the decoy. Which, at this point, I think that's like the third time that's come up that like a federal or a statey showed up. And was like, this town is so dipshit. This town sucks so much it'll make a perfect decoy for something else that's really happening. (laughs) And then it ends and there's not like a, a scene where Andy's like, well, you know, in a way, we kind of did our job perfectly. They all just kind of go like, oh, cut to black. <laughs> they just like, yeah. sit in yeah. like mutual disappointment and failure. They're like, it was, we did bad at a job that wasn't even real. <laughs> like <laughs> they, all, they all just have to come to terms with that in their life in a different way. We, we failed at a thing that you really can't actually fail at. <laughs> so cut to black. Do do do. There is a stinger, but it's not even worth talking about, I think. Well, it's it's kind of fucking good, because it's Andy, like, tells him, like, oh, actually, the real truck is going through Raleigh. And then Barney immediately gets on the phone with Waddy, and he just goes, the real truck's going through through Raleigh. Uh, cut to black. All in all, I'm fucking Andy meter? Ten, man. <laughs> it's a good yeah. fucking episode. I don't know if I'm going to call it a ten. Like, I would give it an eight. Oh, like, I forgot the best thing was while they're at the filling station, Andy just goes like, ah, fuck, there's more, there's more tourists and just walks over as a bunch of like 
like wide-eyed like dipshit Mayberrians are just like walking up like fucking zombies just like ah <laughs> I, I want to suck on the hair of a person that's touched the gold ooh and he says like get out of here get out of here like they're fucking wild geese Barney meter like nothing really upsetting happens in this episode like other than the deep deep sadness of capitalism <laughs> that is rotting these, these people yeah, actually <laughs> yeah no it's sad i'm gonna i think i think we can we don't normally do Barney meter on palpable human sadness but i think we can make an exception here and put it at like a six <laughs> it, made, it made me feel very sad in my heart <laughs> to see this many people want to smell the money. <laughs> oh. Just I'll like, think... just like, just parents holding up their children and just being like, look, little Jeffrey, this is going to be one of your top ten memories for the rest of your life, is the time you saw a thing with money in it. Someday you also can be money. <laughs> Someday, maybe, you'll be allowed inside the car with the money that's not yours. Wouldn't that be grand? Maybe they'll uh, let you look in the front window where there's no money. Oh, God. So that's that episode. I'm going to roll right along to the next episode, or the previous episode, uh, which was season four, episode six, Gomer the House Guest. Which airs November 4th, 1963, written by Jim Fritzel and Everett Greenbaum, directed by Earl Bellamy. This episode sucks ass. ass. Hey, remember that scene in Dumb and Dumber where they're in the van and they're just annoying the shit out of the guy? And they're like doing like, do you want to hear the most annoying sound in the whole world? What if that was 22 fucking minutes? What if if you did an entire episode that was just someone going like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. What if that... The the one sentence, actually two sentence summary from Wikipedia. Gomer is fired from Wally's filling station and moves in with the tailors. Customers then come by the house at all hours to have their cars looked at. So this is an episode that requires so many people to make batshit stupid decisions that are beyond the bounds of, like, just, the social just, contract. Just absolutely humanly incomprehensible. Like, Gomer is annoying in this situation, but, like, Gomer's annoyance is enabled and amplified by literally everyone around him. Just shocking, uh, shocking amounts of weird decisions. Yeah. Like, okay, so, (laughs) this starts off at the filling station. Andy pulls up to the filling station, and Gomer is talking to a guy in the car in front of him. Telling a story about fishing. He's telling a fishing story to this guy. uh, And there's another customer behind them who is honking his horn. So about 30% of this scene is Gomer telling a story about being in a bet about fishing and winning the bet. He tells that story fucking twice. And you're probably saying like, well, there's probably a joke in that story. Fuck you. No. (laughs) Go to hell for even thinking that. He puts... (laughs) ham on a fucking hook and uses it to catch a fish and the guy who he was in a bet with is upset done i just but guess what that story's like three fucking minutes with and impressions <laughs> of a guy that you've never seen <laughs> he does yeah! a, he does a great impression of a man i don't know i'm assuming <laughs> that he acts like it's his fucking jimmy stewart 
so frustrating second so, jimmy stewart reference of the of the episode so he's telling this fucking story uh, to just a guy in a car about this time he won a bet about fishing as a guy sits behind him just going like hey i'm here to get some gas and starts like honking and i am also honking from my couch <laughs> where i am like what the fuck are you doing i also want this episode to start moving <laughs> It is like the idea of pulling out like a little bike horn and just going wooga, wooga. <laughs> like like every single time you want the Andy Griffith show to pick up the pace a little bit just rah, rah, rah. <laughs> just I, uh, my neighbors a, were so mad when I had a car horn installed in my apartment but it paid off for this I moment have, I have a goose call around here somewhere I can use for that <laughs> oh yeah you use that to go to go as the untitled goose game for Halloween and harass me for an entire party yeah okay side note listeners there's one time a couple of years ago when you could have a halloween party that i i dressed up as a goose the goose from untitled goose game and if you've played that game you know that the goose has a task uh, a task list of things to harass and annoy the people of the village but all of mine were to harass and annoy dan <laughs> it was pretty great it was just he just basically like robbed me in slow motion but you know what's fun about that Halloween, Marty, is you were not the most annoying person in a Untitled Goose Game costume that week. Like, <laughs> there was another guy at, uh, at a different party who was also the Untitled Goose Game who was just in a thong with some feathers taped to him. And instead of doing slow crime, which was your move, he ran around in circles with a kazoo. Uh, so he kind of beat you at like the central project of that <laughs> fucking costume i i disagree <laughs> i i felt at much deeper aggravation <laughs> all right so anyway gomer's boss is yelling at him gomer's boss is pissed about this understandably you know and andy like Andy apparently has nowhere to fucking be yeah because he's just he goes to the fridge helps himself to a soda just Drinks a soda and just chuckles to himself and just watches. <laughs> he, is, he is leaning against the gas station and he is enjoying this. He is not enjoying Gomer's dog shit story. He is enjoying watching a man get incredibly <laughs> furious at Gomer. He is delighting at it. When the guy gets pissed and drives off and he's like, oh yeah, that's the good shit. That's that punchline. Uh, uh, it's, yeah, uh, his, uh, his delight uh, makes the scene bearable. <laughs> Andy Mason is like, hey, Gomer, whenever you get a chance, can you fill up my gas? It's not like it's not like I'm on the taxpayer's dime or anything. It's not like I have anywhere to be. Which, okay, Gomer, the the guy says like, hey, Gomer, can you fill up my tank? And he's like, I'll get to it. And the boss is like, yo, that guy's waiting. You need to get him his gas. He's like, I only got two hands. Like, he's actually a prick about right, it. He's, yeah, that's the other thing, right, is like. If you're going to make a character annoying, you have to make him, like, oblivious yeah. in order for it to be likable. Like, Gomer's being a fucking prick. Yeah. Uh, and it's very weird, kind of, the next scene where, and it's, it's, I don't even think the show realizes what it's doing, but Andy gives Opie his allowance, right? Mm -hmm. And he basically is just like, hey, Opie, here's your quarter for the week. You deserve it. I didn't have to remind you once to do your chores. Opie's like, yeah, well, that's because I wrote it on my arm. And his, his arm has, I don't know, smudged writing that's like, garbage. 
clean out the dishes, ash, whatever. And then he leaves. And as he leaves, Opie leaves and, and Gomer comes in. It's like, hey, so I got fired. <laughs> and I felt like, I'm like, oh, okay. I know where this is going. Like, Andy's going to go, well, that's not really surprising that you got fired. Look, Opie knows how to do his chores and, and be pay attention. And I thought we were going for that, right? Yeah, which I guess we should We've, we've point- done before. Like, I, I thought that, that Opie, or I thought that Andy was going to use his, his 10-year-old son as an example to teach responsibility to a grown man. So, like, you de- they definitely set up, Gomer is not doing his job, and he's being a dick about not doing his job. And so you think there's going to be like, well, Gomer is going to learn to do his job and be more considerate. No. no. <laughs> do no. Gomer, Gomer learns negative things gomer gomer learns to be bad in ways he didn't know he's there's no barney in this episode so gomer has to be the fucking barney which means that he has to have bad behavior aggressively validated i i I, i've come to the conclusion right this show as as much as we dislike barney fife and as much as he infuriates us this show does not work without him Mm. Especially not when you try to assign his characteristics to someone else. Like, there, there has to be a fucking asshole in the Andy Griffith show. There just has to be one fucking asshole. Because otherwise, like, his spirit gets diffused all over the land. I am not looking forward to those latter two seasons where Don Knotts leaves. It's the, got, se- the seasons that not even Andy Griffith fans seem to like. It's gotta be, like, fucking, like, just... The the assholeriness just infects them like viral Everywhere. madness. Until it just becomes like an episode of Succession. Like, it's like... Everyone is terrible. It's like Ghostbusters 2 where there's that goo <laughs> under New York that's just making everyone a prick. Except the goo is just like Don Knotts' face. So Gomer comes in and he's like, hey, I, I got fired. Also, I lived at my job. Mm. So can I... Stay in a cell? Just a really terrible fucking arrangement for Gomer. And again, like, in in Andy Griffith terms, everyone knows that Gomer is simple. Yeah. Right? So, no one has even a problem with Wally apparently keeping a a slave? Yeah. Essentially? Like, well, okay. An indentured servant who who relies on him for room and board probably in exchange for what I can assume is not a living wage. No. Okay. And he, he describes his accommodations. He's like, I got a crate and a stove. I think it's pretty cool. It's like, he's keeping with a fucking closet. Yeah. But yeah, it- adding to the dimensions of horror, you have the character who is simple, intellectually disabled, neurodivergent, and the this guy is like all right so you rely on me for money and housing i'm taking both away simultaneously bye Bye. enjoy sleeping on the streets guy we all understand is is disabled (laughs) like i'm leaving you more or less to die (laughs) you're someone that someone else's problem hope you make it to a different building in time you have no money because i probably have been paying you like the equivalent of of nickels I find in the couch. And I for sure take, like, everything you break out of your salary. 100%. <laughs> so, fucking nightmarish. Just, if you think about this this premise for a fucking minute, I, I'm no longer really mad at Gomer because he shouldn't have had to work in that situation anyway. Anyway, 
as we all know what is going to happen, Andy says, okay, come to our house. You can stay with us in the guest room until you get something working out. Well, all right, uh, Gomer specific – Gomer asks – We, I, I do want to, like, hit this beat hard. Gomer asks to sleep in the jail cell, which is like an apartment. They basically right. have an apartment building. Andy reasonably says, no, you will come stay in our very nice house. Nothing in this scene is amiss, but I do want to, like – make a note of it as everything else in this episode yeah. happens. Gomer did not ask to stay with them. No. That should should be cleared. Uh, Gomer asked to basically use what is the equivalent of the town's public hotel. Yeah. So back at the house, they're all sitting around watching TV, and I couldn't help but note how weird it was to see these characters watch television. Yeah. People have talked about television. Television had been mentioned before, but... Anything that reminds you that it is, in fact, 1963 mm-hmm. felt so weird and out of place. And it, it felt so strange to watch them. And they're watching what is very clearly a parody of Lassie. Yeah. Yeah. And they're watching something that I recognize. And I just, I was just like, what are you doing? This entire family should be watching or like tuned around a transistor radio Waiting for yeah. Hubert Herver's fireside chats to, sh- to come on. They should like, just be doing what they always do, which is sitting around hoping that someone has a neat talent that they haven't told them about yet. Yeah! What the hell? These people have TV! What are they doing? <laughs> Why have they been just sitting around watching Opie play ball in a cup? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so it's so weird to want to see them watch TV, but the gag is basically... Uh, Number one, Gomer is repeating to everybody what is happening on the show, uh, on the TV, and then he starts telling stories about his own life, and he's just being annoying. For so, again, in a in a good show, what would happen now is Gomer's story would be funny. It would interrupt <laughs> the scene, but it would be a story that I would enjoy hearing because it would either be like outrageous or really dumb or have a punchline. He just tells a fucking story about a time he did a thing. Like it's he he tell he tells a kind there there is a joke to to it he's they're watching Lassie and he's talking about a dog who did nothing to help him when a, when a house was on fire yeah there is a joke I uh, do not remember it. just that scene happened and just white noise went in my head and I was like the, I would the, also like to hear the the fake TV show the gag is Gomer is talking about a dog that he has once and he said this dog was real dumb. This dog was so dumb. But one night we were all asleep and the house was on fire and this dog oh, is actually a good story. Yeah, this dog this dog suddenly like smelled the smoke and it woke up and boy, you know what that dog did? I'll tell you what that dog did. The dog went straight to the neighbor's house and sat there until the fire was out. <laughs> It's actually a good story. Man, I just hate Jim Neighbor's fucking delivery. <laughs> that yeah. <laughs> might be what it is. I zone out whenever he fucking talks. So anyway, everyone's annoyed by this, but they're like, okay, well, it's time to go to bed now. Gomer said, asks if he can help with chores or something and to, to repay. And Andy says, all right, you don't have to do that, but it'll make you feel better. And the rest, the next 10 minutes are <laughs> dedicated to... Tom Foolery. <laughs> Antics. Just... It's just, it's like, it's like 11 o'clock at night and Gomer's outside sawing something. He's like, did he say he was going to fix the door or something? Yeah. Like, like, basically, Gomer just says, would you mind if I did some chores to help out? And Andy's like, absolutely, we're going to bed. And then just someone starts cranking a music box and a monkey starts dancing. The equivalent of what these scenes are. Because... 
First Gomer is sawing something. Andy is awakened by the noise. He goes out of his window and says, Gomer, do you have to saw something now? And Gomer is like, no. And then he stops. Then he vacuums and and Andy's like, Gomer, you don't need to vacuum right now. And Gomer says, okay. And he stops. And then he wakes up everybody and now... And then Andy is like, all right, you need to go to bed. I don't care if you're not tired, you are going to bed. And I do like this, that the third time when Gogor, Gomer wakes him up when, when by, with his loud, loud gargling and singing, Andy just starts smoking in bed. Yeah. <laughs> he just lights a cigarette <laughs> like, and just starts smoking. Ugh. And just like every time. This Gomer- is how I, this is the only way I can relax. <laughs> Every time Gomer, like, uh, stops making noise for a sec, he starts to put the cigarette out, and then Gomer starts singing or some shit, and he just, like, starts smoking again. (laughs) It's great. It's the one bright spot of just watching Andy Griffith stress smoke. (laughs) The next day at the jail, Andy's falling asleep at his desk, and Gomer bursts in. And Andy tries to politely be like, okay, well, listen, I didn't get much sleep last night because of you yeah <laughs> uh, he like very very he very like politely explains it gomer actually gets like real life. remorseful yeah like actually he shows genuine remorse and says that he's going to do better and then he just sits there and andy asks if he's had any luck trying to find a job and they do a joke that is they're advertising for an experienced butcher and andy goes are you? A, do you know how to cut meat? And he's like, do you think they're going to ask that at the interview? And I can't tell if that was a bad joke or if I was just cranky at that point. I felt like it was just like, just throwing itself a softball. It's but, an okay joke. It's not. Yeah. Eh. Eh. I think by that point I was just in a bad mood and I was like, all jokes after this I'm, suck. I, I'm watching, I'm reading your, your notes and I can tell from your bullet points that you are getting angrier and angrier as the page goes down. <laughs> yeah. It's just from here on out it's motherfucker, what the fuck, another guy screaming, god damn it. Just I more and more all caps. <laughs> so yeah, the the next scene, Gomer is in bed, he's reading comics, he's being very careful and very quiet. And then this is what this is what we mean when we say nothing makes sense. So many weird decisions. Some guy just pulls up in front of the fucking house and just starts screaming, "Hey Gomer, I'm going to do I'm going to rev my car. It's making a weird noise and I want you to scream down from your window. What's wrong with it?" And Gomer's like, "Sure, I can do that." And starts doing it. And I feel like as the audience was supposed to be like, "Oh, Gomer." But it's like what world is that an okay thing to do from the guy? Yeah, why is this guy here? Who is this? Under no circumstances would this be okay in polite society. <laughs> yeah, no, like, Gomer shouldn't go along with it, but why is this dude doing this? Yeah, which... Why, why, why does this dude... Real question, why does this dude have to have his car fixed right now in the middle of the night? Yeah. What is he fucking doing? <laughs> Yeah, like, what, is he, like, trying to get to fucking Mexico because the cops are on his tail and he can't take it to an actual mechanic? Like, fucking, so they're also like, alright, so Gomer is kind of inconsiderate, he keeps odd hours, which is problematic. Also, he apparently attracts lunatics who just follow him or wherever he goes, screaming car questions at him. Like, in, also- like a shitty version of car talk. 
Can I also remind you, Gomer has in previous episodes explained that he does not know how to fix cars. No! <laughs> He's been very clear. He's like, I pump gas. I can guess what's wrong with your car. Gas. And the guy's like, I need to wake this man up. Not the actual fucking mechanic. <laughs> so, like, it's so goddamn weird. And I get it. I, th- I think they pretty much just change Gomer's mechanical ability yeah. based on the needs of the episode. So I guess from now on, we can just assume that he's some sort of, like, mechanic savant. Okay. You know, but- and, and so we've established this weird thing. A fucking guy does something really weird. Another guy does it. Like, yeah. They're going to bed. And then there's another guy who's also like, Gomer, I have an extremely similar situation. I have an, I have a, a problem with my car that you can hear from a second story window. And I need to scream questions at you. And I am deciding to do this five minutes apart from another human being. So either A, either A, we have a beautiful moment of, of synchronicity in the world or b was this just a super normal thing back then are, are these are these men like hiding from their wives are they sneaking out to have their cars fixed like, <laughs> just like what? like the way a like a crack addict will stand outside their dealer's house just asking to be let in like and and, and again again i understand that sometimes you have to do outrageous things because otherwise there is no joke because otherwise there is no episode but this makes no sense in the world of of the show it like, begs again so this, many questions about the show was... wants us to be mad at gomer for this but, and blame gomer for this but it's not gomer's fault that these men showed up in the middle of the night to yell but, at him was this an okay was it okay to show up at people's houses in the middle of the night and ask for stuff like this or was it only okay if it's car questions <laughs> like could you hey hey it's 103 a.m. and i need a cup of sugar <laughs> Hey, hey, does anyone know where Tom Petty is from? Hello, I need help with this. This is what you did before there was the internet. Yeah. You just, just... You, just, you just yelled your questions and hoped that somebody yelled back. Steve, Steve. I hey, hey, does anybody know where Tom Petty's from Clearwater, Florida? <laughs> Thanks. You sure it was clear one? And then and then you just have that. In the 1960s, the night was just, it was like, it was like cicadas screaming into the night. Sarah! Sarah! How do you do long division? Sarah, what's an imaginary number? Wake up! Or was it only car parts where it's like, where, where that was just the thing that's acceptable. It begs so many questions. This must just be what the world is because two fucking people do it, Marty. Two people do it in a very short amount of time. <laughs> this was the just next- what a Google search was. The next morning, everyone, everyone is pissed at each other. Like, Aunt B and Opie and... Andy just sit at the breakfast table, just bitching at each other. Yeah, it's they like just very, very like realistically sniping at each other. Yeah, Andy just goes like, "All right, we know what the problem is," and then I, this is the point where I want to remind you: Gomer offered to sleep in the jail cell. Gomer yes. <laughs> explicitly asked to sleep in the jail cell. So like. 
that. That's really, <laughs> I don't have a point B to that, but he, this is, the problem has a resolution that's right there. The, the resolve problem button is right on Andy's table and he can press it at any time or it's just like, Gomer, you gotta go sleep in the jail cell, man. Fucking. <laughs> and, and so the next scene is like Andy is kind of mean to a guy during a traffic stop. Yeah, dude, Andy is kind of mean. Andy is an abusive dickhead cop to a guy. <laughs> yeah, that and in fact, I mean, and the guy compares him to Barney Fife. Yeah, Andy hassles a guy. Andy takes out his personal frustrations on a civilian during a traffic stop. He does a bad thing. <laughs> like, yeah. So uh, a guy has a taillight out and he's like, I'm going to get it fixed tomorrow. And Andy's like, oh, everybody's trying to do everything tomorrow and I'm sick of it. So I'm going to write you a ticket. And then the guy calls him Barney Fife and Andy's like, what? And he's like, nothing. I'm allowed to fucking have thoughts and say them out loud. And I feel like I'm supposed to be like, this guy's a fucking prick. But I'm like, yeah, you are, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. yeah, fucking stick it to him. Fuck him up. <laughs> Fuck him up, old white man. Get him. Get his ass. Fight the power with me. Guy who definitely doesn't think certain people should have rights. And then the the next kind of development is that without Gomer, I guess Wally has no clients, which makes me wonder, what the fuck was he doing before? Because, yeah, is because no one's coming in for gas or car or car repairs so either a wally is such a dog shit gas person or is selling like it doesn't really it doesn't make sense because <laughs> he's the only gas station slash mechanic in town she very clearly says he's like well they must be going to mount pilot for their gas and car repairs because they're not fucking coming here Oh, you know what, Dan? Andy does say that he's going to ask Gomer to sleep in the jail. And I believe it's Aunt B who says, like, I feel bad for that boy living and working in the back of a gas station. Yeah. And number one, what caught my attention about that was the use of the word boy. Yeah. Because Gomer's 40. <laughs> the conclusion of this, again, it's not that they learned to compromise. It's not that, that Gomer, like changes his behavior or that anyone says why are you fucking coming to my house in the middle of the night basically wally's just like apparently gomer is the only reason anyone came here apparent which doesn't make any sense because he's not he's never been shown to be a competent mechanic before but when andy gets home and there's a line of cars at his house did everybody's car fail at the same time maybe it was what? like back then in the 1960s slash 30s, your car was just constantly melting. So you had to take it to the mechanic like every 35 seconds. Be like, well, I drove eight miles. Time to get my entire transmission replaced. <laughs> like they were all made out of fucking tinfoil. So like maybe that's that's the best explanation I got. But also it, apparently Gomer's able to undercut Wally's entire business from a fucking driveway. Yeah, 100%. Here's the real problem, right? Is that this ends with Gomer going back to his slave labor job. Yeah. In exchange for another hot plate. Yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Essentially. Yeah, that's the resolution is Andy goes, all right, fuck this. Everybody get in your cars. We're driving to the station. Wally's going to rehire Gomer. Which there are so many better conclusions that so many people should have gone, which is... Wally should have been like, well, my life is a lie. No one actually uses my business. It's all for the slave I keep in the back of my gas station. Someone should have gone like, hey, Gomer, maybe you should open a competing business because apparently you're a, a fucking savant at this. 
Like, yeah. Or, or maybe no one's cars are actually malfunctioning. They just want to hear shitty show- stories about fucking fishing. I think that's what they were hinting at. But yeah. if that's because, like, at one point, Andy's like, hey, check it out. There's your entire business right there. And people just hanging out with Gomer giggling. But if that's really the case, then how did how did Wally have business in the first place? Were these people showing up and paying mechanics rates to mm-hmm. have their perfectly functioning cars worked on in order to hear Gomer Pyle talk about catching a fish with a ham? You can just show up. He'll do it regardless of whether or not there's a car to be done uh, to be worked on. He, he also can, will. He also will very clearly do it without pay. Yeah, like, he'll come to your house like a fucking birthday clown and tell you about the time that his his aunt had a sore leg. Like he doesn't it's, care. It's very morally wrong to do this, but you could. Yeah. He, <laughs> so, Gomer, Andy should have just like nudged Gomer, and just be like, "Hey, man." You own him. This is your business now. Make him sleep in the back room. You have his house and also his family. But it's just, it's this weird fucking thing. Like, well, no, Wally owns capital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Gomer, go back, go back and, and serve your superior, your, your social superior, the man who had the capital to, to purchase a, a piece of land. Commentary. Half remembered DSA talking points that Marty was 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 digging up as he goes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not wrong. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> we both read Marx approximately eight to ten years ago. We know what we're talking about. I I currently have the best of Marx sitting on my Kindle. I checked it out <laughs> from my from the digital library this month, and eventually I might read it. <laughs> I'm some of the way through people's history, brag. <laughs> Not a lot of it. Um, we have to delete that because I have lied to a lot of people about having read that book. Everyone has. It's yeah. fine. So, yeah. Fucking... So many gags on this show are just us saying that we don't read. <laughs> So, yeah, Gomer is negotiated up from, like, just literally a second hot plate. Not a bigger, not more pay that he could use to maybe get his own apartment. He just, like, as he specifically says, like, it's a fucking broom closet that he's in. Like He's basically Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want to know, like, another frustrating aspect of this I remembered? Gomer's got a brother who has a house. <laughs> His name is Goober. It's, it's his cousin, yeah. His cousin Goober. He has a brother he could have just gone to. I always assumed he was just living with his fucking cousin. Cousin brother, whatever, I don't care. This show's stupid. Yeah. Fucking added yeah. dimension of annoyance. It, it, he, he has, yeah, he has an aunt and a cousin who live in town. Yeah. Like, it's it's been established that he can walk to their house. <laughs> so dumb this episode runs on fucking child logic like this episode like such a goddamn calvin ball of an episode and then the fucking like gomer is telling a shitty story and the kicker is andy is trying to sleep on his couch and gomer jumps in and wakes him up done but a snare drum fuck you Uh, this this 
this episode felt like they were writing the script in between takes. Yeah. It felt like we were watching them try to figure out what Gomer was in real time. And I almost appreciate that because at least they were taking effort to figure out what his deal is. Because remember, the character that he showed up to replace, Floyd, his deal was amorphous. He was just the final monster from Akira. He was just a blob <laughs> of story nonsense that was constantly growing and expanding. Was He was every every possible character simultaneously writhing in agony on the floor. But you know what it, like, it made me fucking think of is, like, whenever they're like, oh, due to political correctness, you can't do good, like, good humor these days. And this is this proves it extremely wrong because these guys were doing a character with a mental disability on television when it is the least politically correct about it. Like, when there is... No restrictions whatsoever. And it sucks. <laughs> and they don't have dick. They could have done anything with this. No one even knew that this was a thing you could get mad about back then. And they have jack shit. <laughs> They've done nothing with it. Yeah, like, like, oh, we took the guardrails off. Oh, get buckle up, kids. Well... I don't know when appropriate time to vacuum is. Oh, shit! Blazing Saddles! What? (laughs) Oh, can you handle that? Millennials, you snowflakes? Oh! Buckle up! This sucks shit! There's more coming. I got a story about a fish. Whoa! It's such garbage these people suck so much ass fuck every generation before ours you all suck (laughs) (laughs) dumbass shit fucking jesus christ uh i am so mad about this i can't wait send gomer to vietnam please how much longer before before you do a terrible terrible thing and send this boy to die in a foreign country why do they keep being convinced that they need a third guy like they really they really want that like mickey donald goofy aesthetic that i called attention to last time Like, they're always like, we have Andy, we have Barney, and then the wild card. No, Barney's the wild card. You already have a dumb guy. Like, Like, it works fine. I mean, it kind of works with Floyd, because with Barney, they have a dumb jerk, but they don't have a dangerous pervert. So, like, (laughs) they don't have someone that's, like, rubbing their dick on the coffee table the entire conversation. So, like, that's the niche that Floyd fills. It's like, it's like oh, that thing. This was my hole. This was made for me. It's Joseph Campbell. You need, you, you need the hero. You need the fool. And you need the depraved furniture pervert. <laughs> <laughs> they had a real ego, super ego, id thing going on. And Floyd was pure fucking id. <laughs> no, you want you want to uh, you want to wrap this up and do some fucking ratings. Let's do it. Andy meter, it's not a zero. There was like the smoking scene, so it's like yeah, I mean, three, four, yeah. yeah, three, four, fucking whatever. The more I think about it, the higher the Barney meter gets mm. for me, just because of like how very much this proves that Gomer's boss needs him. More than he, than Gomer needs the boss. 
right? Like, Gomer can do whatever he wants. He is the workforce. <laughs> Remember and how he we... doesn't realize that. Remember and... how we said that, like, it doesn't resolve, like, the conflict that it sets up? It's like, Gomer's kind of rude and doesn't know how to do his job. And the moral of that is, seize the means of production. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. What... Gomer is the proletariat. Yeah, like that is the that basic. The moral is like is basically fucking Marxism, and we're not reaching because if we wanted to try to reach for a Marxist conclusion in this show, we would have done it already. This one came up organically. <laughs> I would have gotten that cred years ago if I could if I could work Marxist themes into this show. It's it's ridiculous. It makes me so mad. He's and a the slave. show the, the the show just naturally takes the position that Wally should be correct and Wally should just be a little nicer to his wage slave. Yeah. Not a lot. Not actually like do anything to match his value. But just just be a little bit nicer in his get, get, make him a slightly nicer shack. Don't kick him as much. Fucking like put take the frames of Andy saying it looks like Gomer is your business. How about you give him a second hot plate? Take those frames, put them in a wall, and hang them in the fucking Guggenheim. Like, that is art. Those four frames say so much about fucking America accidentally. Because, it, like, the show is like, oh, Gomer got a second hot plate. Everybody's happy and everything's resolved. And... <laughs> So yeah, the Barney meter for like permanent damage, that's a 10. Yeah. That's a fucking 10 for me. Yeah, nope, it's it's a sleeper 10. It came in at the end. We had to catch it. That was close. <laughs> we fucking, were we, I almost it's walked so sick. I almost like walked away from this like and Gomer didn't learn any manners and that's why it's a 2 and it's like this is a fucking 10. The exploitation of an indentured servant with a disability. God damn! This is the angriest I've been at the Andy Griffith show in a while! Yeah! Fuck, we should have started with this one. We should have gone in order. We overthought it. We could, I could have been yelling about this the entire time. We could have just not done the fucking gold episode. Yeah, in, in, the, in, in the end, the gold episode turned out to be not much. So, if you want to support us with your money dollars, you can get to us at patreon.com slash breakingmayberry. On the internet, we are uh, on twitter.com slash breakmayberry. On Instagram, it's breakingmayberry. On Facebook, it's breakingmayberry. On Twitter, I am at schneidremarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D remarks. You are at the LUDs with two Ds. <laughs> the music you just heard and are about to hear is made by Max Ludwig, who is on Twitch as at Sleep Talkie. And I could just get, take us down to the fishing hole, but I have no desire to talk about anything else an anymore. I'm so mad. I'm just, I'm so angry. I looked at your Twitter feed before we did this and I was like, Marty's in a bad mood. This is going to be a weird one. And you're walking away from this angry. I'm throwing chairs. <laughs> we discovered, we found exploitation. We'll see you all down at the fishing hole. God fucking damn it.
Bum 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 b